Well, hello, friends. Good morning to you. Glad you're here with us today. we got a great day. Uh, we are wrapping up what has been for us a really great series called uh, Relationships. But before we do that, I get to tell you about the series that starts next week. I'm so excited about this series. It's, about, it's called Dumpster Diving, and it is going to be a series of hope and encouragement for you and for people you know that need hope and encouragement. Uh, every fall, we do what we call an alignment. An alignment is a season when all of our programs from kids ministry to student ministry to in here to our group ministry, they all get on the same page and we kind of do the same thing all at once. I'm actually wearing the t-shirt from last year's alignment, love every one. And this year our alignment starts next week and it is called dumpster diving. And, And the premise of this is just this basic truth that you need to know about God. And that is that God doesn't throw things away, God heals restores, rebuilds, and repairs. And that there is stuff in your life today that you think is wasted, you think it's trash, you think it's broken beyond repair, that the mercy of God wants to enter into and restore in ways you could never imagine. It's going to be a great experience, and you want to experience it together. So here's what I would say to you. If you don't have any friends, you should join a group and make some friends. Join a group next week as part of Dumpster Diving. We'll make it super easy. We'll have information about how you can do that. If you have friends, well, lucky you. You should start a group. Gather four or five of your friends. We'll give you all the materials you need. Uh, there's, a, there's some kiosks you can stop by on your way out. Pick up the booklets. Pick up all the stuff you need. We'll talk more about this next week. But I want you to start thinking about how are you going to connect with the whole body as a part of dumpster diving. So be planning that. You'll get all the information you need later in the service and then next week. But first, let's finish this series we've been in relationships. I've gotten so much communication from you all about how important this series has been. Somebody wrote me this week and and they said that they've been trying to apply the first shift we talked about. When you disagree, shift from a posture of conflict to a posture of curious conversation. They said, Ethan, I've been trying to work on that in my relationship with my adult children. Man, it's not that everything's gotten perfect overnight, but already I'm starting to see grace and love re-enter a relationship that I thought was completely broken because I'm trying to do this shift. I had somebody talk to me about the second shift. Uh, Because of the grace of Jesus, our experience of God's will and wisdom shifts from condemnation to calling. And they said, I heard that message and helped me understand uh, God's will for my life in a better way. And I've actually sent links to it to several friends because they needed to know about the shift from law to grace and how we are no longer under condemnation, but we are still called to obedience to a life that blesses. And then last week we talked about this. We said, when you encounter the calling of God, which can be hard sometimes. God calls us to do things we don't want to do, to go places we don't want to go. We need to shift Shift our attention from the burden to the blessing of obedience. And today, our last shift, it sort of could have been our first shift because it's one of these shifts that applies to every relationship and every person you will ever encounter. And this week, we're sort of answering this question. We're we're trying to figure out who are all these people we have to be in relationship with, you know? Like, what's their deal, right? Like, have you noticed that some of the people you're supposed to be in relationship with, I mean, they're ridiculous, right? That driver that cuts you off in the road, what's his problem anyway? 
That person you foolishly agreed to marry, what is their deal? Like, what is the, what's going on there, you know? Those kids you raised in your house and now suddenly don't recognize, what's, the, what's, the, what's going on? Who are all these people? Some of them are mean and lazy. Some helpful and kind. What's the deal with that, you know? Some bring us joy except when they annoy us. Some annoy us all the time. How is it that we are intended, how does God teach us to understand the people with whom we have to relate? The shift we're talking about is this. To truly see another person, to see who another person really is, you need to shift your sight from the created things to the creator. And we need this shift because for so many of us, it is so easy to see others through human categories and human expectations. And when we see others through human categories, we are actually blind to who they really are. It it starts, innocently enough, when we're children, right? It is nearly impossible for a child to see their parents as an actual human being. Right? I mean, your parents, they're just mom and dad, right? They're the people who give you the food you need and tell you to go to bed early even when you want to stay up. That's who they are. In fact, for some, for some adult children, it can actually be traumatic the first day they realize, oh my goodness, my parents are people. Like people who made mistakes and mess up and they've got their own problems and their own struggles. They got issues they're dealing with that have nothing to do with me. I thought their whole life revolved around me. You know, that can be a traumatic experience to realize that your parents are people. And while in children, this is sort of adorable when they see their parents as just mom and dad and forget that they're actual human beings, it stays with us. And it becomes a problem when we carry this with us, right? You meet a clerk in the store or your mechanic or or some salesperson you've got to deal with. They are not a person. They are a human robot from whom you want service, from whom you want your car fixed. And if they give you what you want and the way you want it, at the price you wanted, well, then they're fine. And if they don't, you're done with them, you know. Because we get in a situation where my needs and my attitude determines who they are. Because they're not a human. They're the person who brings me my food. And they either get my order right or they get my order wrong. But I'm going to treat them based on how they affected me. We get blind to who people are. That other driver on the road, you know, we've talked about this before. When I cut people off in traffic, it is always because I'm responding to a legitimate life emergency. You know this. But when other people cut me off in traffic, oh, I'll tell you why they, well, I can't tell you from the stage why they do that, but I know, you know, I know. We do this with, uh, with politicians and celebrities. They are not people. They are there to entertain me. And as long as I am entertained, I, and, and we're just as happy to be entertained by their successes as we are there by their failures. We will gossip about their broken marriage, their tragedy of a life. And as soon as they fail to entertain us, we'll move on to be entertained by the next person because they are not a human being. They're a source of entertainment for me. I learned recently about a a Zulu greeting that is common across southern Africa. Uh, It's just a simple word, sawubona. It means, I see you. I love that. Isn't that a great way to greet someone? I see you. 
And, and this greeting is reserved for, for when you really mean it. Like you don't just say it. It's not just a casual, how's it going? You don't really mean. You, you say it when you really want to say, I recognize you. I'm looking at you. I'm, a, I'm recognizing your presence and acknowledging your humanness. We maybe need a greeting like that. Because the more we look through human expectations, the more we look through human categories, the more blind we are to see other people. Blinded by our prejudices, blinded by our past, blinded by our story. Have you ever met somebody who you could just tell the way they were relating to you, they were just using you to get something? They didn't care about you or who you were or what was going on with your life. They were just, they were just, you were just a means to an end for them. And then we go around, of course, and we treat people the same way. Or maybe the way you're blinded to see other people is you're blinded by our culture. Uh, our, our world teaches us how to see other people. We're given categories through which to see them that actually blind us to who they are. Oh, you're just a cop. Or you're just a protester. You're just a conservative. You're just a liberal. Okay, boomer, lazy millennial. Right? We, we get given the category and we receive the category. The more we look through human eyes, the less we see. I, I picked these up at Walmart uh, yesterday. Uh, these are our party glasses. Uh, they're Batman party glasses. These are awesome. I look amazing in them. I love them, though. These, listen, if you're, if you're hard up for money right now, I seriously recommend you buy some of these at, at, at a children's birthday party and wait till the kids terribly injure themselves and then sue somebody and make a million dollars because these things are ridiculous. Like, you can't see anything at all. It's like, it's like somebody gave you a pair of glasses designed to blind you. And that's what we do. We receive from our culture a way of seeing other people that is designed to blind us to who they really are. But we could make a shift. We could learn to see people. One of the um, most famous stories Jesus ever told is a story called the Good Samaritan. Some of you will have heard of this story. Some of you maybe not. Uh, we find the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And even if you know the story well, you, you might not know about the curious little turning point in the story of the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, if you want to grab your Bibles in the chair in front of you and grab one, we'll start in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? He said, well, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and you got to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, good answer. Just do that, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked, he said, uh, who exactly is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus told a little story. He said there was a, there was a man. He was going down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest was going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
Do you see that curious reputation? The priest sees the man. The Levite sees the man. The Samaritan sees the man. Everybody, there wasn't a, there wasn't a vision problem that day, but there was a vision problem. What did the priest see? An interruption? A delay? Someone who got in the way of his priorities? What did the, the Levite see? A fool? Somebody who made a bunch of mistakes, got wound up in a ditch? What did the Samaritan see? Well, he saw someone deserving of his pity, deserving of his love. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse for you any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor? The expert replies, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. The turning point in all of those encounters is the moment where, where they see the man. And two people see someone to be ignored, rejected, move on, stay focused. And one person sees, sees what, what God sees. Because to truly see another person, we have got to shift our sight from the creator, from, from the created to the creator. When you encounter another person, these people with whom we have these relationships, our, our family, our friends, our co-workers, the stranger on the street, and you're trying to figure out who are they, don't start with your needs, your prejudices. Don't start with your urgency and your priorities. Oh, they're the person who has what I want. They're the person who can get me, you know, a bank account. They're the person who can fix my car. They're the person who got a little business to do. That's who they are. Don't even start with them and their story. Start with God. What does God see? Who does God see? How does God see? We could notice a few things. If you were trying to ask yourself, how does God see these other people that we relate to? I think the first thing we would say is God sees an image bearer of God. God sees a created one. For right, right in the beginning of the, the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, we get this little hint about what Christian anthropology, who God thinks people are. It says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. If you were to see every person you meet the way God sees them, the first thing you would see is that they are created as an image bearer of God. C.S. Lewis says, every person you meet is a miracle greater than any you can imagine. Every person you meet is a miracle of God's creation. Manifest in them the image and likeness and reflection of the glory of God. If you saw people the way God sees people, the first thing you would see is their beauty. You would be in awe. I'm not saying you should do this, but maybe in your heart, every person you can meet, whether it's a stranger or not, your first thought could be, you're amazing. 
You are a miracle. You're beautiful. You carry in you, in your very bones and being, the image of a loving God. Maybe that'd be what you see. If you kept looking with the eyes of God, though, you would also see that these beautiful, image-bearing people of God are also burdened. Burdened by their sin. Jeremiah says, The heart is deceitful above all things beyond cure. Who can understand it? Ecclesiastes says, There is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sinned. Every person you see, burdened by their own sin. But also burdened by suffering. Jesus says, I tell you these things so that you have peace, but you need to know in this world you will have trouble. Psalm 33, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, my years by groaning. My strength fails, my bones grow weak. Every person you see, image-bearing miracle of God, and yet every person you see, weighed down by their sin, by the world's suffering. Maybe when you see people the way God sees, you would not only say, wow, you're amazing, but you would also find your heart breaking with sympathy for the burden they must be bearing. You may have heard the quote from a preacher named John Watson, be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. That person who gets your order wrong, maybe it's because they're bad at their job, or maybe their boyfriend just broke up with them, or they just found out their mom had cancer, or their car died on the way to work, and they're stressed about how to afford to get home. Every person you meet, burdened by their sin and by the suffering of the world. If you kept learning to see people the, the way God sees them, you would see past that, though, you would also see that every single person you meet is beloved. Uh, you, you may know this verse. It's, it's our famous, most famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Every person you meet, beloved by God. That is so different from how our culture invites us to see one another. As first a nuisance or an enemy. And God says, no, every person you see, you need to see the one that I love. The one that I came to rescue. God is here to correct our eyesight. How dare you see one I don't love when what you see is the one I love. And if God loves them, maybe we should. Last thing we could say, we could say so much more, but maybe just one more thing that God sees. God sees people that are bound, both bound up, trapped in a world of darkness and sin and chaos, but also bound for. God sees people with destiny 
and with future. We could look so many places, just real quickly, Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, the rule of the kingdom of the air. The Spirit is now at work, and those who are disobedient... All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Everyone you meet is bound up, just a little bit trapped, just a little bit unable to live the person they were meant to be apart from the grace and mercy in Christ. But also, every person you meet is bound for something, is meant for something. For he continues, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms. This is what we're bound for right here, verse 7. In order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. We are God's handiwork created for something, right? Created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Every person you see, if you could see them through the eyes of God, you would see someone beautiful, made in God's image, image bearer of God. You would see uh, someone burdened, Burdened by sin and by suffering. That's what you'd see. You'd see someone beloved. Someone for whom Christ died. Someone that God is ultimately for. And maybe your heart would grow with affection. You'd see someone bound up. Just a little bit trapped. And maybe that would cultivate in you some urgency, right? You know? If you saw a puppy on the side of the road tangled in a rope, you'd stop your car in the middle of the street and go set him free. You'd feel urgency. Could we have similar urgency for all the people you see, every person you see who is bound apart from Christ, bound up, trapped in sin and darkness and hopelessness? But in Christ, bound for a destiny of glory, right? To truly see another person shift your sight from the created to the creator. You may recall this summer I uh, lost my glasses and for several weeks had to preach wearing my contacts. And it was all right. You know, uh, uh, I could drive wearing my contacts, but they were single focus. You know, I wear bifocals now, but my contacts weren't bifocals. And so they worked for driving around town but they couldn't shift. So I couldn't see my computer and I couldn't recognize a person's face. I couldn't see my notes when I preached. I couldn't see my own phone, you know. I think that happens to us sometimes. I don't want that to happen to you spiritually. I think a lot of us, we're like a bunch of you know, six-year-olds that show up at a birthday party we show up into the world and the culture just hands us a, a pair of glasses 
And we put them on because that's what all the other kids are doing. And never mind the fact that we can't see a thing and we look a little bit silly. But everybody, they, the culture hands us these glasses. And so we'll see what the culture tells us to see. We see enemies and fools. And we see my team and that team. And, you know, I guess we better fight for my team and fight against that team. You know, we just see what we're supposed to see. I don't think I want to be blind all the time, though. Just see people through my prejudices, see people for what they do for me, see people as my culture tells me. If you want to see people for who they are, you're going to have to make a shift from the created to the creator. I got to watch this happen on Friday. I was at lunch with a couple friends on Friday. Uh, and we had this waitress. She was great. And I was very focused on the good service. Uh, I, I remember thinking about it. Uh, she brought us extra drinks before our drinks were empty. She brought me extra dressing for my salad when she saw that I was running low. She was a great waitress. And because she was a great waitress, I was already thinking in my head, I'm going to leave her an extra good tip. Because what I saw was just what the world teaches me to saw. I saw a waitress. And she was meeting my needs. I saw her through the lens of my needs. And since she was meeting my needs, I was going to give her a good tip. But my friend, he saw a human. He, he, he made this shift we've been talking about. He saw someone beautiful, an image bearer of God, someone burdened, beloved, and someone bound for a future. That God had good plans for this person. And he started asking a few questions every time she came by the table. And suddenly this person that all I could see was that she kept my Diet Coke full and she brought me extra blue cheese dressing. Suddenly my friend found out that she'd just finished a biology degree at Northeast State. And now she was taking some prereqs so she could start nursing school at ETSU. We found out that she wanted to be a nurse because a friend of hers had fallen very ill and had been in the pediatric unit down at Vandy and ultimately passed away there. But before he passed away, he told her how good the nurses were to him and how the nurses made it feel like home. And she wanted to do that for other kids someday. It was this beautiful, powerful, spiritual moment. I'm just telling you, if my friend hadn't been there, I would have known two things about that waitress. She was generous with blue cheese and generous with diet soda. That's all I would have known about her. But suddenly she was a human being because my friend just, just took off the glasses he'd been handled and saw her the way God sees her. I wonder, how would your relationships change if you made this shift, you know? If you just said every relationship, every, every time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discipline myself, you know. Maybe you need to carry these Batman glasses as a reminder. You can just carry these with you, you know, put them in your pocket. To remind you, I'm going to, anybody need a pair of Batman glasses? I got extras. Anybody need any? All right, okay. Uh, back there, I need some? Okay, no, okay. I thought we had somebody. Maybe you'll keep, maybe you'll do something. What would change if you just said every person I see Every person I see, I'm going to remember they're an image bearer of God. Even the most obnoxious person you ever meet is a miracle beyond your wildest imagination. 
Every person I meet is weighed down by something, pressed to the ground by their sin and the world's suffering. And so I'm going to treat them with sympathy and love because I know what it is to be weighed down. I'm not going to add an extra weight to them, but I'm going to, I'm going to put some strength in their back. Maybe you've got somebody in mind right now and you can just think how it would change your perspective if you just saw them the way God saw them as God's beloved. The one God would send his son to die to save. And you're like, okay, I better think. If God loves you that much, maybe I should at least be nice to you. You know. How would it change if, if you recognize that every person you meet is bound for a future? Every person you meet has a future that they are bound for, and it will either be a desperate future or a glorious future, and you have a part to play in that. Would that change the way you relate to people? I think it might. There's there's one more implication to this shift I want to talk about. Uh, One more way that we need to change what we see. We've already said that to truly see others... You've got to shift from the created to the creator. Um, But that's also true about you. To truly see yourself, you're going to have to shift. To truly know what you look like. I got this mirror from my house Um, I haven't hung it yet, which is why it was convenient to bring home. It just sits in my garage. I'm supposed to eventually put it in one of our bathrooms. Um, It's there so that you can see yourself, right? So that, you know, after you do your business, before you go back out into the party, you can make sure you look presentable. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Some of you, you're putting on the world's glasses before you look in the mirror, aren't you? You know, you can hardly see yourself. You can see a whole bunch of pain and a little bit of regret. Maybe you see someone you think is ugly. Or you see someone you think is worthless. Or someone you think is unlovable. You've been blinded. That's what happened. You've been blinded by our culture, by our world, by your sin. Because if you could see... What God sees, you would see someone who's beautiful. You bear the image of God. You're the one who who God said that your created goodness is good. You're the one that God says, you in your created beauty bear my image. You're the miracle. Maybe you would see, and you could acknowledge that in that mirror, you see someone who is burdened. Burdened by your own sin and burdened by the suffering of our world. I'll just tell you, it doesn't do you any good to pretend that you aren't burdened. To pretend that you're not weighed down by your own sinfulness, that you're not weighed down by suffering. I'm fine, everything's fine, is one of the most destructive spiritual sentences ever. And it's never true. 
but it's a lie we tell one another, we tell ourselves. And, and Jesus says, no, no, bring me your burden, your burden of sin, your burden of suffering. Maybe if you looked in the mirror through God's eyes, you would see someone who is beloved. You know, a lot of us have trouble seeing that. Maybe we weren't loved by someone in the world. So maybe someone who even said they spoke for God. And we believed them. And we've been wearing messed up party glasses for our whole lives. For God so loved the whole world. And that includes you. I hope when you look in the mirror, you see someone that is bound. I hope you see someone that is no longer bound up in their sin. For God, there is mercy and forgiveness and freedom from sin. And if you still see someone bound up in their sin, you need to come talk to me after the, ser- after the sermon today. Because what I hope you see is you see someone that is bound for glory. That you recognize that in Christ you are no longer bound up in your sin. But you are bound for freedom You are bound for, how did Ephesians put it? That God might show you the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness of Christ Jesus. I hope you know you're bound for that. That's the shift I invite you to make today. Every person you see, that you would shift your sight from the created to the creator. And even when you see yourself, that you'd see who you are in God's eyes, beautiful, made in God's image, burdened by your sin and the suffering of the world, but beloved by God and because of the love of God in Christ, bound for glory. I'm going to pray for you right now. If you need prayer today, if you, if you don't have clarity that you are bound for glory, but instead you would say today you are bound up in your sin, come talk to me. I'll be over here. We've got a team. We'd love to pray for you. And we're going to worship together. Let's pray right now. God, open our eyes. Remove from our eyes the blinders that prevent us from seeing one another the way you see it. Prevent us from seeing the created goodness in one another and the burden of suffering that we carry, the belovedness and the future hope that every one of us can have. Not only, God, when we see one another, but God, teach us to even see ourselves with your eyes, that we would know your love and your hope and your purpose for us. Open our eyes, unblind us in this moment, God. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray.